Just reading from John 21, verses 1 to 14. It's Jesus and the miraculous catch of fish. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan in Galilee, <coughs> the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and we will find some. When they did, they were unable to, sorry, <coughs> when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples, who Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garments around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there, with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Okay, I've entitled this The Right Side. A few years ago, Jan and I and some of our friends, actually I think Jill was with us, went to Israel. And um, we visited Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Nazareth, Capernaum, we went up the Mount of Beatitudes, we got, I got to baptise some people in the Jordan River, which was a real privilege, and we took a boat trip out onto the Sea of Galilee, and we shared communion out there. It was an amazing trip, and we would really love to do it again. And when we went out, we went out on a boat like this, and uh, one of the crew, while we were out on the lake, decided to throw his net out on the side. And like the disciples, he caught nothing. But unlike our boat trip, Jesus stepped in. And this is what happened. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. 
Brother, I'm a baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am, the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, how sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. Okay, actually, that was the, um, the first mir uh, miraculous catch of fish. Um, what we're talking about is the second time. But I thought you'd like to see that because I, I thought it was amazing. Okay. Um, yeah, I think we can go on with one. That's the video, and then the next one, hopefully. That's it. Thank you. Yeah, if you click on one, big speed, <coughs> then we're up back there. Okay. Peter and company had fished all night. And in the morning, Jesus made that familiar cry. Have you caught anything? And he heard another familiar cry. No, nothing. Now, am I the only one that believes that Peter and co. were never cut out to be fishermen? You know, perhaps that's why their dad didn't really mind when they left to follow Jesus. And I imagine the conversation went something like this. Dad, we're leaving to become disciples of Jesus. Okay, boys, go with my blessing. And as they walk off, he quietly exclaims, I love them dearly but maybe now I can hire some proper fishermen. <laughs> In our um, story today, Jesus uh, is about 100 metres away. They're out in the boats, uh, and he cries to them, 
throw your nets on the right side of the boat. Sorry, that was that, wasn't it? And uh, it made me start thinking, what did he mean by right side? Was there a right or a wrong side? Was it right or was it wrong? Our guy on the, on the boat out on the Sea of Tiberias was um, throwing his net out. And as he's throwing it out, he told us that you have to throw it with the wind. Because the boat, if you, if you throw it against the wind, the nets will go under the boat. They'll drift under. So you have to throw it so that the nets go away from the boat. Now, Peter was an experienced fisherman. He knew what was the right and what was the wrong uh, side to throw out their nets. Even in the middle of the night, they knew which way the boat was drifting and the direction of the wind. They'd been casting out all night long without snagging. Never had a problem. And it made me wonder, how much do we in our Christian lives and even in our church life, do things because we believe it to be the right way. But then Jesus comes along and says, actually, it's time to try another way. You see, the gospel message doesn't change and must never change. It should, be never, should never be watered down to fit in with what society thinks. But our methods have to relate to how people approach learning today. A friend and I went across to a church not too far from here and we were, we were trying to help the church um, because they were shrinking quite rapidly. And the, the guy in, in charge, they, they didn't actually have a minister at the time, uh, he was their church secretary who pretty much did everything. Um, and he said to us, and his words were, I don't understand it. Fifty years ago, we were full. We're not doing anything different, but hardly anyone comes. And he just didn't realize what he just said. And, and that was a problem. You know, the gospel message stayed the same. But the way they approached it and the things they did in church were what they'd done in the 1960s and 70s and, and not the really good stuff that happened in the 70s that talked to Ken about, um, but a very, very old, staid way of being church. So, was there a right way or was there a wrong way to approach things? And, and I'm thinking in terms of evangelism here. Is there a right way? Is there a wrong way? You know, do we have to re-examine the way we do things? Because Jesus is actually saying, no, I want you to do it differently. Was it left and right? Some of the translations actually have the word starboard, the nautical term for, for right. Throw your nets on the starboard. It made me wonder again, had they been throwing the nets out to the left, just from my left, that way? And, you know, they, if I throw them out this way, they stay away from the boat. 
And Jesus is saying, throw them on the starboard because he wanted the net, the nets, even the nets, to, <laughs> to drift underneath the boat. Jesus had noticed the catch was under their noses. And I believe sometimes when we set our strat strategy for evangelism, we lift our sights so high that we miss what's under our nose. Now, most of you know that I, I now work at, at Musgrove Hospital as a chaplain. And I have to be honest, I hated, absolutely hated going in there when I was minister of the church. Um, I knew everyone I went to see. I only ever went to see my own people. And after the first five minutes of how are you, uh, there was nothing left to say. And, and we had a lady in church who used to love going in there. And she lived pretty much opposite where, where we used to live. And I could ring her up and I'd, I'd say, Joyce, so-and-so's in hospital. Would you like to go and visit? They're in such and such a ward. And I'd put the phone down and I'd walk into the, into the living room and I could guarantee within about 30 seconds she was scurrying off up to the hospital. It was great. I didn't have to go there. Um, however, I love it. You get to go in and meet nice people like Wendy. And you get to talk to people. Um, and people I'd never really got to know you before, and yet we had some really nice chats in hospital, didn't we? Yeah, yes, say yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> you go in there, and there are people who are anxious. People who are facing uncertain futures. People who are showing extraordinary bravery at times. People are asking, why does God allow suffering? And what happens next? And it's, it's, it's a really interesting conversation to have someone who's just been told their end of life who start to ask the question, well, what's next? I went into one of the cancer wards um, a few weeks back now, several weeks back. And there was a guy and I introduced myself. I said, hello, I'm Vince, I'm a chaplain. And um, he said to me, I'm an atheist. And I said, well, that's okay. We can still talk about something. And he said, but I've got questions. I'm not gonna ask, him to, for, ask you these questions until I get too tired to carry on. And uh, hang on a minute. Isaac, you're a spoon. I said, I'm sorry. And I don't do the water. Sorry, that is one step Well done. Okay. <laughs> Where was I? Yeah, this, this guy said to me, got questions and I'm going to ask you um, until I get too tired to ask any more and we had about 40 minutes where he was asking me questions about faith and and I answered as best I could and if I didn't have an adequate answer for him I actually said to him you know I'm not sure this is enough for what you want but this is how I see things and at the end of the 40 minutes he said well you know, I really can't ask anyone. I'm too tired to carry on. But you've given me an awful lot to think about. 
And I went away feeling ten foot tall, because it was amazing. And the interesting thing is, when I wouldn't go in there, or when I tried to avoid going into the hospital, I lived a hundred yards away, literally. I now live about 15 miles away. And, you know, it's the best thing I get to do every week. What's under your nose? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you those opportunities. You know, the neighbour who's a bit lonely and maybe just needs a coffee that will open up a conversation. All sorts. Thirdly, I decided to look up the meaning of the original Greek. Now, Matt's always coming up with um, you know, the, the original Greek for this, that, and the other, and, and I thought I'd, I'd go for it. And it's a word called dexios, that actually it does mean right or right hand, but it also suggests the place of honour or authority. And again, it made me ask that question. You know, it's maybe not where we're casting our nets, but how we cast them that matters. How we talk about our faith, how we talk about our church, how we talk about other Christians and other churches. You know, do we apologise about our faith? You know, a bit like going to an AA meeting and my name is Vincent and I am a Christian. You know, we can be like that sometimes. Do we try and make excuses for our church? You know, they can be a bit odd at times, but they're really nice people. Do we honour other Christians and other churches? And that one really challenged me. There's a story of a man who arrived at Heaven's Gates and St. Peter asked him, what denomination are you? And the man asked him why he needed to know. And Peter said, I'll show you. And of course we all know that in heaven there are many mansions, Jesus told you. But did you know that each one is for a different denomination? And he took him to the front door of all these different mansions. And the first one they opened and there was loads of bells and smells and incense wafting out. And he said, they're the Anglicans. And he went to the next one. He said, look, this is the Roman Catholics, but we're not actually going to go in because they want me in there all the time and I'm too busy to be there. We then went to the Methodists and the room was full of soapboxes. Of course, the next one was the Baptists. And there was this huge swimming pool in the middle of the room. And then the Congregationalists. And there was a big round table because no one wanted to be at the head. The Pentecostals, well, they had trampolines and chandeliers. <laughs> the exclusive brethren, you couldn't even open the door unless you got a letter from your minister. And then he showed me a load of really posh tents. And he said, those were the ones that didn't want to be in a church. He said, actually, most of them are now empty because people realise they were missing out. And then he came to the last one. And it was actually the one closest to the gates of, of heaven. And he said, look, 
before we do anything, I'm going to need to tell you, you have to be absolutely silent. You have to just open the door a little bit and peek in. And the guy said, well, why? And he said, well, that's, the, that's for the URC, and they think they're the only ones here. <laughs> now, you can guess which denomination I had problems with in the past. Um, but I've had to uh, repent of that because I do believe there will be some people from the URC in heaven. Maybe not many, but no. <laughs> That's a good congregational minister speaking, or ex-congregational minister. But no, seriously, I don't always agree with every aspect of some church's theology. But they're an expression of the body of Christ, and they deserve to be honoured. And I am sure that they'll be there in heaven. Only just, maybe, but they'll be there. My mum used to say, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. So I better move on quickly. But I was listening or reading about a, a John Altberg talk. I'm trying to, get, trying to find it online. It's called How to Be Wrong. And he says, at times, we can be more intent on being right than being like Jesus. He continues, I recently watched snippets of a message where a conservative speaker criticised and poked fun at progressive writers and social commentators, defining them non-Christian. Now, I admit that I don't always agree with the output of these people, nor are the conclusions they reach always helpful. Nevertheless, I was disturbed by the tone and content of the critique and equally by how many shares and likes it received on Facebook. This, to my mind, was not a good witness. It begs the question, are we more focused on teaching people how to be right, believe the right things, and say the correct words, rather than helping people to become more like Jesus? Part of the church's job is not simply to inform but to transform and shape habits and responses. I'll say that again. Part of the job, church's job is not simply to inform, but to transform and shape habits and responses. So let me bring this to a conclusion. Land in our catch. We need to seek the right way to recognise that what we've done in the past may not be what Jesus is calling us to today. We need to see what's under our boat, those people that Jesus is putting across our pathways, and see what he will do. We need to speak with honour and authority. You see, we have the greatest we have actually a lot of these people groups in the world. I, I read somewhere recently that um, each week about 640,000 people go to watch football um, on a Saturday. And on Sunday, there's something like 740,000 people dead. And that's just in England. We are actually the biggest people group in, in the country and in the world. And we only 
as the only Saviour of the world. Jesus said there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Only through Jesus Christ is the salvation of the Opportunities are opening up, and we need to cast our nets to receive the harvest that Jesus has given us. And then, very commonly, and I promise this is the last thing. Did you notice it says that there are 153 fish in Peter's net? Now, I, I don't know how true it is, but I was told that in the Sea of Galilee, there are 153 species of fish. It represents every species of fish in that age. You see, Jesus doesn't want to miss anyone in his kingdom. But what I also found interesting is when they came to shore with their net of what they thought was every fish, Jesus has got more than one people. There's always more that he wants. For we need to ask him to show us where to put our next step. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, whether we've been doing things our own way, missing what's under our noses, or not showing honorary authority towards others, please forgive us. Help us to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit <coughs> so that we will cast our nets in the right way and receive the full blessing that you have for us all.